0: Welcome to Hey YA Extra Credit. Every other week opposite the main Hey YA podcast will bring you a short form podcast either as a book club discussion with a beloved YA author or a look at two excellent YA backlist books for your TBR. I'm Kelly Jensen. Today's episode brings you a really exciting book club discussion and I will be chatting with Siobhan Vivian, author of so many books, including The List, Not That Kind of Girl, and the forthcoming We Are the Wildcats, we are discussing Jenny Han's Shug today. But before we dive into our discussion, today's episode is brought to you by Bee, Book, and Me by Kim Sagawa, translated from Korean by Suni Jung. B and Rang are all each other have. Their parents are absent. Their teachers avert their eyes when they walk by. Everyone else in town acts like they live in a big city, even though it's painfully obvious they don't. When Rang begins to be bullied by the boys in baseball hats, B fends them off. But one day, Rang unintentionally tells the whole class about Bee's dying sister, and each of them finds herself desperately alone. The only place they can reclaim themselves, and perhaps each other, is the part of the town where the outcasts live called The End that is B book and me thank you to our sponsor welcome shivan
1: hi kelly how are you
0: i'm good how are you i'm fantastic good um listeners would probably not know this but Siobhan and i have a long history going way back to like maybe her second book yes yes and she was the very first author I was ever able to bring into a library program, so she's always had that little spot in my heart. of Awesome, thank you. Awesome author, <laughs> awesome to work with. Writes great books, um, and I have this very vivid memory of there was this boy who came to all of my library programs. And he was really shy, but. He was always there and it was like this was his social time and we all went out to dinner after Siobhan did her presentation. <laughs> I know I know exactly <laughs> where you're headed. <laughs> and so we're at this little restaurant in town. This I, I lived in a small town, so we go to the restaurant and um there's a seat open next to Siobhan and he doesn't sit by her because he goes, I don't think I could sit by the famous person. And it was <laughs> the funniest and sweetest thing. Um I, did he sit next to you? I can't remember if he ended up
1: I think he did sit next to me and the other thing I remember from that restaurant was that the the diner or the restaurant was uh, owned by a family and their teen daughter posed with all <laughs> of the dishes in the menu. Mm-hmm. So her photo was all over the menu and I remember like sort of just looking at that and thinking, I wonder is there a book in that? Like yeah. such a strange <laughs> thing, really funny.
0: <laughs> Wonderful library
1: visit, it was great.
0: Yeah. But it's it's so funny, like when you do bring an author in and you start to like make the connections with your kids, too, in ways that you, mm-hmm. you know, don't when it's just you. It's like suddenly they get to meet somebody exciting and like their reactions are just a hoot like that kid. I, I'll never forget. Really that kid.
1: cute. Really cute. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, let's talk about Suge. Uh, so this oh, is yeah. Jenny Han's first book and it came out in 2006.
1: So yeah,
0: like almost 15 years ago.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's. A, I think of sugar as a timestamp, actually, on my friendship with Jenny, um, because uh, this was. I have a like visceral memory of reading. Shug in ARC form in 2005. I had just started at the New School um, for their Writing for Children program and Jenny was a uh, year ahead of me there. She was like the buzz of the program because she had mm-hmm. sold Shug, Um, and uh, had really not met her yet before but I was given an ARC of this at my job and I was reading it on the subway and I read the line which I'm sure we'll discuss. One of my favorites about the butterfly and the moth. And, and I remember putting the book in my lap and thinking, like, wow. And, uh, you know, then we became best friends. Fast forward 15 years later, here mm-hmm. we are. She's the godmother of my children. And uh, it was just such a pleasure going back and, and taking a look at Suge. And there's just so, it's so Jenny, even mm-hmm. all, that, all that time ago.
0: I'll uh, I'll read the description that I have on my copy. I've got a paperback copy from 2007, apparently. Illustrated, uh, the the photographic cover? Yeah. Yeah, that was a big discussion. Mm -hmm. I can imagine because, um, well, the girl on the cover doesn't actually match the description of the girl in the book. Yep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Among other things.
0: But here's the description. Anne-Marie Wilcox, or Sug as her family calls her, is beginning to think there's nothing worse than being 12. She's too tall, too freckled, and way too flat-chested. Sug is sure that there's not one good or amazing thing about her. And now that she has to start junior high, where the friends she holds most dear aren't acting so dear anymore, especially Mark, the boy she's known for her whole life through, Life is growing up all around her, and all Suge wants is for things to be like they used to be. How is a person supposed to prepare for what happens tomorrow when there's just no figuring out today? It's such a good, like, encapsulation of of the book. Oh, yeah. Because this is, like, whenever I think about the idea of being 12, this book comes to mind because Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I always think about 12 as this really important year. I feel like you have 12-year-olds who – are ready to like pack up and be on their own. And then you have the 12 year olds who are very much like Shug, like they don't want anything to change. Like they aren't ready for for the big world. They aren't ready for new challenges because they just aren't ready. And it's, it's showcased so well here.
1: Well, you know, in some ways I think it's even more than that. And it's the theme that I think you could track through all of Jenny's work, which is this, this idea that a girl wants change. I mean, Shug definitely wants for different things in her relationship, Mm -hmm. but as she sort of creeps closer and closer to getting that, she's scared, you know, that maybe I, maybe I don't actually want this. And I think, you know, that is a theme. Jenny revisits again and again and again. And, uh, you know, to, to see it sort of start to crystallize here was really fun.
0: So, Let's let's talk about the big thing first. Uh, This book, The Shug, is 12. And my book says that it's for ages 9 to 13, which is sort of both middle grade and YA. It's sort of an odd distinction um, Mm. age-wise. But uh, as I was reading this, I could see a really good argument either way, that this is a YA book or this is a middle grade book, or also that it doesn't matter a whole lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's comparatively, I'm going to sit this one squarely middle grade Mm -hmm. um, for me, just because, you know, the the chapters, I sort of forgot that they're so short. It's almost vignette-like, you know? Mm -hmm. And there is a sort of, I mean, she's 12, but she's closer to like 10 or 11 in a lot of places, uh, maturity-wise. And I think Mm -hmm. you can see those upper sort of middle grade, lower YA readers reflected in some of the secondary characters. But for for me, Suge herself is so middle grade that to me that that's what makes this a middle grade book.
0: I see that. And I also am struggling with this question and thought in part because the book was before two thousand six, it was written before two thousand six came out in two thousand six. This is before cell phones, so some of the mm-hmm. moments in here, um, it feels it feels so young, just because the technology was different, the way that kids connected with one another was different. Um, I have a note early on about you know, like she has to make a phone call and it's like a big deal because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> she doesn't have a cell phone to do it. It's like you know, it's it's this big moment and. I was like, man, I remember that from like middle school and high school. Um, And it's so different now.
1: It's so different now. And, you know, having just recently reread Jenny's um, Summer I Turned Pretty, the first book in that series you know, it's it's a similar, it's similar in that way where she sort of avoids technology. And it does give it this like kind of evergreen glaze, mm-hmm. I think, in a way that sort of more contemporary things kind of lose that. Um, they're just dated automatically by that use of technology. But yeah, I mean, it, to me, it, it sort of adds to that kind of really sort of childhood feeling of like riding your bike in the summer, you know, skin in your knee, belly flop contest, you know, Mm -hmm. all that stuff is just, it really sings. And I, and I, and I really didn't miss that lack of technology.
0: So Shook herself is, is a white girl and she doesn't match the girl on the cover because the girl in the book has a lot of freckles. And that's like a big, big thing that she brings up over and over again. So every time I looked at the cover, I got annoyed. So I was like, where are Mm. her freckles? Um, You know, among other things, but I found one of the most fascinating characters in this book to be a secondary character to be uh one of Shug's best friends and it's a girl named Elaine who is uh she's Korean American mm-hmm. and she is from New York City and moves to the small town like she is really um cultured but also grounded and I found it particularly interesting to read her because I thought her story was almost more interesting than Shug's. Like, I wanted to know her whole story as well. Um, mm-hmm. like, how do you move move there? You know, and what does it feel like when you're a Korean American moving from a city where you know you see the diversity all around you to this small town? And I think it's North Carolina, correct? Uh, yes, I believe it is North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Like culture shock has to be going on here, and but it it takes me back to the fact this book was published in 2006 when. Certainly there were diverse books, but the discussion around the importance of these diverse books wasn't what it is now. Um, It wasn't as accessible for writers of color to make their stories or stories of people who look like them or come from similar backgrounds
1: to them, the main story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you in that, like, you see, again, sort of, which is the interesting part of, like, kind of thinking about Jenny's career. You know, running the whole way through. there's this moment, um, kind of near the end where Elaine is having a conversation with another child's mom, and mm. she makes a reference to like, oh, you could teach you could teach him how to speak Chinese. Mm-hmm. And she's like, actually, I'm not Chinese. I'm Korean American. And the moment is really um light. You know, it it doesn't, it doesn't dig in. You don't get a beat of like Elaine sort of like feeling annoyed by that or, you know, and nor does Suge really comment on it, but it sits there on the page. And I think, you know, looking at that and just thinking about fast forwarding to, um, to all the boys I've loved before and how groundbreaking that was to see an Asian American or Asian person on the co- cover, a person of color on the cover that hitting the bestseller list, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was one of the first, if not the first young adult to have that, you know, to, to have that achievement. And, um, And seeing like, you know, yeah, she's, she's wanting to talk about these things. They're right under the surface. And, you know, perhaps it just wasn't the time to really, or or you didn't have the space at that time to get into the discussion in the way that she, she will in the future. Yeah. I found that little passage and
0: I'll read it because it's, it's so good. Like it it captures Mm -hmm. so much in such a short little place. Uh, this is from page 180 in my edition. I told Mary that she's so lucky to have a friend from a different culture. Miss Stevenson continues. I want you to teach her all about where you come from. Maybe she can even learn some Chinese. Imagine that my baby girl speaking Chinese. I w- I'm not Chinese, Mrs. Stevenson. I'm Korean, Korean American, Elaine says. And I'm actually from New York. Miss Stevenson's smile doesn't waver. Well, Korean then you can teach her Korean. Elaine smiles back, well, I'm not that great myself, but I could try. And that's the whole the whole scene there. Mm-hmm. But it's so much and
1: so little. Oh, yeah. And you could just see that scene sort of unfolding just in a different way, which is like a little bit more, you know, drawing a circle around that moment a little bit more in contemporary, you know, writing today. But back then... You know, I don't know that that was the conversation everybody wanted to have or mm-hmm. was really looking looking to see.
0: Let's talk a little bit about Shug's mom. So I yeah. read this book. It was my first library job, so it must have been like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and I listened to it on audio. Um, and I didn't remember her mom very much at all. Mm-hmm. And um, so as I'm reading it, I am like marking up all of these incidents where Suge notices her mom has a drink. She has a glass of wine. She has a Long Island. You know, she, oh, there was something else that she, oh, she makes martinis and not green bean casseroles. Like mm-hmm. all these instances where her drinking is brought up. And um, I was thinking as a reader, I'm like, she's an alcoholic. I'm thinking this before it even comes out that she is and and why um, alcohol has become this tool for her to cope unhealthfully, uh, with some marital challenges that are going Mm. on. Um, and if we think of this as a middle grade book, like that is huge. I think how it is so subtle and yet so obvious.
1: Yeah. It's really, I feel like deftly folded into, you know, sort of like Suge's sort of romantic journey and her Mm. sort of friendship challenges. And then we have this home, these home scenes, which are really challenging. And I think like really beautifully and sort of sensitively portrayed. And it, I just love the balance that that gives this book to me. That's sort of like, it, it needs that grit, you know, Mm -hmm. it needs that heft. And, um, and, and I was also, you know, just sort of thinking, I can't remember a family that Jenny has written that has had that sort of kind of undercurrent in any of her other work. It's, it is very prominent here. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it just feels really sort of special. And, and I think it elevates um, the book and sort of the the, the things that Suge is, is struggling with, um, you know, infinitely. Let's
0: talk a little bit about that romance, because I do think, I think you're onto something with sort of the parallel um, going on with her mom and her mom's relationship with her father. Um, her father... And her mother are married, but dad is gone a lot. He's in Atlanta a lot for his job. Um, mom, I can't remember. Does mom work, or she like
1: works part time, or? Um, I think mom is sort of just like at home. She's like you know portrayed as like very like a beauty, a, a beauty. And I think she has a sort of like a it reminded me of Don Draper's wife in Mad Men. She's just sort of like at home, you know, sort mm-hmm. of like doing things. I don't recall her having a having a career.
0: Yeah, I I know she didn't have a career, but I can't remember if she did like something on the side. Mm. But there's this great line. I love it. It's right near the beginning of the book um, where Shug and her mom are having a conversation about um, what's going to happen now that she's entering middle school and how everything's going to change. And um, her feelings like her up and downs about that and her experience seeing her best friend Mark suddenly start to change a bit. Um, and he's not as close to her as they once were and there's this great great line um mama says something beforehand and then she says if you want mark you go and get him i didn't <laughs> raise my daughters to be pacifists make love or make war Suge, but make something happen i loved loved love that line yeah and this is mama i think had had a drink at this point too
1: yeah, probably. I mean, it's a little, it's sort of like a looseness in that that I think mm-hmm. is really interesting, and that you know, there's, you, you could imagine that like mom without the drink, maybe, maybe would phrase that lesson like a little differently, yeah. but you know, it, it definitely resonates with Suge, and 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 I think that's like some. Some of the more like compelling things that are going on in this mom story is that like, you know, she does drink. It does cause a lot of problems in the family, but there is like a very clear intimacy between mother and daughter here and both of them sort of at these moments of transition. So um I just, yeah, I, I was, I was super into mom and kind of watching how, how drinking has affected the family. And, and when Suge isn't focused on some of the more social aspects of her journey, you know, I feel like there's, there's this other ball that Jenny's throwing in the air and it's, it's a big one. Let's talk about Mark. Ah, well, I, yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, anyone who's a fan of Jenny's work, just, you know, you're getting all the same feels with Suge kind of, is it Jack? Is it Mark? You know, is it the boy she's loved forever? Is it this boy who's sort of like new and driving her crazy and is more mm. complicated? You know, I feel like she is just, she just hits her stride here. And this romance is as though though sweet, it's as sweet and compelling as anything you're going to find with Lara Jean.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I love that there is this sort of I don't, I don't want to call it a love triangle, but that's what it really is. It's a love triangle um,
1: mm-hmm. in this middle grade book. And yet it's not the center of the story at all either. No. And in some ways the love triangle in some ways exists more in, in Shug's mind than mm-hmm. it does kind of practically, because I don't know that we ever really get the sense that Mark is going to have that moment of looking at her and sort of, you know, Air quotes, seeing her the way she wants to be seen—that that is so beautifully set up in chapter one. But there is this other kind of evolution that I of their relationship that is just as gripping. Which is like, will their friendship survive mm-hmm. um, this moment of change uh, as they move into you know the twelves? Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's gripping. It's really sweetly rendered, and um, yeah, I'm I'm into it.
0: Yeah, that that whole moment that you you mentioned there, um, I have I have it marked because I love it, but she was asking Mark why they didn't go to school together or walk home from school together like they used to. And um Mark is like, Well, I was with the guys and so I think there's a little bit of guilt like when he's confronted about this and he asks Shug if she wants to ride bikes over to the creek, and she says yes. And um, mm-hmm. the chapter ends like this because I love it. Um, we stay at the creek until dark, just like old times when we were little kids. And I want to stay here forever, just like this, because I know he won't be picking me up tomorrow morning or the morning after that.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it goes back to that sense of like, okay, I I sort of want this to change. I think I want this to change. That's her kind of opening mm-hmm. manifesto. And then when it changes in ways that she's not expecting and not in the way that she wanted, you know, it's really heartbreaking for her. And mm-hmm. And I think Jenny does a really great job balancing mark where he's not just like, you know, he's not transforming into a jerk. He still no, has moments of warmth and like sort of honoring like their past and, and a, and a kinship between them. But he is clearly changing and, ha- and that it's as hard for him that as it is for her, I think it's mm-hmm. just really beautifully done. And then there is Jack. <laughs> I love Jack. He's a, he's tough. Like he, he's so tough, but he's, so, you know, those moments of like vulnerability there, you know? And like, Suge is a strong character. Yeah. You know, Suge, is not sort of, though she has this sort of like quiet, romantic interior. She's tough. She's like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's have a belly flop contest, you know? <laughs> and I'd beat you. Uh, yeah, you know, she's sort of like peacocking around. So I love that she, that he's in some ways as challenging as she is it sort of makes them a nice little pairing i think um mm-hmm. and and i've always loved the idea of like the 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 person who drives you crazy becomes like a person that you're also kind of enamored with and, mm-hmm. and that's really fun with with jack
0: and what about their confrontation when jack and mark are discussing i guess is the best way to put it discussing shug mm,
1: i mean <laughs> <laughs> just like, you know, like I, I just, you know, Suge really wants somebody to sort of like notice her and see her. Mm-hmm. And here's this very complicated boy who seems to be getting into all these scrapes. He's got a tough family life that, that Suge can really identify with. And, and you've got this, this moment where there's a little bit of a scrap happening <laughs> and it's like over Suge's honor. And you know, there, she really, there is a beat of like relishing of that, that I think is just really fun and and really sort of is a nice lift to her, her spirits. You are talking about that kind of near the end. Oh yeah. 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 Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I, I was really moved by the scene where, shug um goes and sees jack after he has gotten into yet another scrape at school um there's this sort of threat of like one one more bit of trouble here and you're going to get sent away to live with your dad you know mm-hmm. and she is wanting to chide him and sort of you know tell him what a dummy he's being Uh, and then he starts to cry and Mm -hmm. it's just so, oh my gosh. And she feels like she, I think she puts it like, I felt like a real crumb, which is really (laughs) perfect. But You know, just like that, that idea of this sort of scrappy kind of kid with now a black eye, um, you know, really breaking down and him, he and Suge have sort of shared some camaraderie over like their difficult lives home lives and interior lives and to watch him sort of have that moment I felt oh oh, Jack Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. another relationship that I loved throughout the story I talked about how much I loved Elaine but looking at their friendship is really fascinating as well there's this line I I marked it because I loved it um at the beginning of chapter 45 losing a boy best friend is one thing But losing a girl best friend, your true best friend is a whole different story. It's like losing a rib. There's something missing inside of you that you didn't even
1: realize was there. And it makes it hard to breathe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, like all of this, this kind of these romantic preoccupations have really sort of filled her, her mind up leading up to that moment. And then when there's some kind of collateral damage there with the friendship, you know, and it sort of, is a, is a moment that really sort of her breath catches because it shows that she, she values this relationship too, perhaps even more so than these kind of like romantic Mm. dreamings that she's, that she's been having all throughout the book. And when this moment happens, it, it does feel like that, that's, that, Recognition of, like, wow, these, this is one of the more important relationships that Mm I have in my life. And it kind of makes her active and really humble in a way that I think, you know, she needs at this, at that point in the story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like that part is a real turning point for her too, in understanding kind of what her mom said to her before, like, she has to act Mm -hmm. or, nothing's going to happen like she's the one who has to to stand up and make the choices that she needs to make for her life and Mm -hmm. when i flip to the very last page um kind of this moment of of awakening to that again Mm -hmm. and it's just one one line actually it's a paragraph because it won't won't spoil anything but she goes that's when i kiss him without thinking Mm -hmm. i just lean forward and do it in this moment all i hear are the crickets and my heartbeat the kiss lasts about four seconds maybe five not what i thought it'd be like at all soft and warm and sort of surprising he tastes like candy i'll remember this taste for the rest of my life
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i mean you know it's funny like again like sort of bringing a little bit of my personal relationship with Jenny to the conversation here. It's like one thing she always says that she struggles with is structure, you know? And and when you look at this book and it has this sort of really dreamy Mm -hmm. vignette kind of uh, Mm -hmm. way it moves – it is bookended by a really nice kind of like, I'm planting the flag. Here's what I want. This is the way I want it. And then we, we can go to the very last chapter. We're in a similar moment. And uh, it's not exactly what she thought. It's a little bit different. And she is a big plays a bigger role in it. And it's just a nice, really nice way to kind of track the growth of Suge through the book. Yeah. And just like, I feel like all of these these relationships just
0: parallel one another and play into one another to this mm-hmm. point where like, these are important to her, but in order to make them what she wants them to be, like she has to be the participant in doing that.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. It's not just like a passive, you know, I'm just wait, I'm just going to mm-hmm. wait forever until somebody looks my way. Um, You know, she's, she's really kind of activating here and in some ways taking you know, mom, and mom is giving this advice is, is, some, is really something considering kind of the struggles that she has in the book where she seems sort of mired in this, like, unhappiness and medicating mm-hmm. that. And, and, you know, so, so I'm, I've, I, I'm glad that Shug ends with making different choices and really sort of um, having mm-hmm. some agency and it's a, it was very very satisfying.
0: Yeah. It was one of those like you get to the end and you take a deep sigh and you're like, "Yes, that was the ending that felt right, that felt deserved." You know, cuz yeah. I'm sure you've read a number of books where, you know, there's two people that the main character could go with and you're like, "Eh, they didn't really deserve it" or like that ending didn't feel satisfying for whatever reason. This one feels totally satisfying.
1: I agree. I agree. You know, there's this, just a, like a one more kind of turn of the screw here that I think elevates the ending to something like just a little bit unexpected and very, very satisfying for readers. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think readers um, who have read Jenny's bigger books, like her well-known books, would get so much out of turning back to this one and just seeing like where she started and she's so consistent. That's what I took away from this. Like everything she did in here, she continued. Like
1: it's impressive. Oh, 100%. It, It really is. I mean, she kind of knew and had a real grasp on like, the kinds of stories that she found gripping and the themes, I mean, large Mm -hmm. and small. So you have like, you know, Suge who just feels like you could track her to Belly and then to Lara Jean. And then you've got, so like the larger sort of trajectories and then like the smaller things like descriptions Mm -hmm. of food, you know, I'm sort of laughing rereading this because like I said, I, I had first read this book before Jenny and I became really close friends and I can see you know <laughs> this is just so a small thing but the mention of corn pudding in a Thanksgiving scene and she is like obsessed with <laughs> corn pudding around Thanksgiving she so has this recipe she's made for you know all these years and I mean it's just so Jenny um that it, you know it almost felt like I was looking through like a photo album of my friends from like You know, when she was 12, it was really, really, really special.
0: I love that.
1: Yeah, it was really nice, really nice. And the sister stuff, like the loyalty of sisters and the pride that she has and that she's also like, you know, she, she has this rich romantic interior, but then also this like kind of like immaturity. And, you know, she she is uncomfortable when those eyes get on her. I mean, this is just this is just Jenny being Jenny. And and I think just as you said, for any fans of her later work, they'll pick up Suge and see, you know, all the things that they love in this book um, and just in, a, in a different way. And, and th- that's really fun.
0: Was there anything else you wanted to talk about or any lines that you wanted to share that like stood out for you on this read or that might <laughs> encourage readers to pick it up if they haven't?
1: Um, one scene that I found particularly gripping, um, again, in sort of a in a way that I, that is a bit surprising to me was a was a really interesting kind of argument that Shug almost instigates with her mother and father. Um, and this was like, a moment where her mother is supposed to pick up Suge from school, doesn't show up. Mm. Suge is, her sister's out of town. She doesn't really know what to do. She ends up kind of calling her father at work, bringing him back in. And there is this really lovely, uh, maybe lovely isn't the right word, but there's this really very interesting familial argument that starts that has so many deft Twists and turns, and loyalties, and protecting one, and then advocating for the other, and it really felt like a tennis match in a, a very complicated and heartfelt way. Where I, I really, really felt for Suge, and uh, you know, it was again, it's just like a nice, meaty counterweight against some of the the more airy kind of you know, dreamy romantic stuff that I felt like, wow, that, that was a really great scene.
0: I noted, like I flipped through, I noted too, that that particular scene, my heart aches for her.
1: She's trying so hard to be good yeah. and just can't, you know, like, no. And like, you know, like she loves her mother. She loves her father when she sees, you know, her father getting mad at her mother in the same, for the same reasons that Shook herself <laughs> was just mad at her mother. You know, then, you know, she's then suddenly switching on a dime and defending her mother. It just felt so age appropriate, heartbreaking, complicated, you know. So to me, it's like anyone who could, who thinks that like these sorts of stories don't have teeth, you know, and that it's all just sort of like romantic fluff. I mean, take a look at this scene and, and let your heart just like break into a million pieces. Mm-hmm. Like this is. Really deep, emotional, gritty, complicated stuff, and she handles it beautifully. You know what we didn't talk about?
0: Um, and then I, I marked it as something we need to talk about. Um, I'm just gonna read the paragraph. Okay. I got I got my period in French class today. We were conjugating the verb to swim when I had to excuse myself and go to the girls' bathroom. For one horrifying moment, I thought I'd had an accident in my pants. When I realized what it really was, I wanted to cry. I think I did a little. All I can think about was it's too soon. Everything has happened so fast. My whole life has changed, and I'm not even done being a kid. Oh. Oh.
1: Yeah. I know. It's like it's
0: <laughs> like you know that feeling so much, and it just that single paragraph encapsulates so much of the story and so much about being twelve and
1: i know and 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 also just like sort of the you know when she goes and gets the pad from the nurse and i think she like likens it to you know the the large box of kleenex you know in terms of the side of it um it is you know i think we've all been there <laughs> we've all been there and you know again you know she is she is not varnishing over anything. Mm-hmm. You know, there is it is it is authentic in that way where this is about sort of the most beautiful moments where a girl really feels in bloom and then also, you know, the realities where, you know, our bodies are changing and it's different and it's weird and it's embarrassing and you have to ask your teacher for a mm-hmm. pass to go get a pad in French, yeah. you know, it's just like really just Um, you know, again, it's, I think it's a testament to the, the emotional depth of Jenny's writing and that, you know, she is, she gives a full picture of this experience and it makes it the, you know, all that much more rich of a read for it.
0: I feel like my childhood has been ripped away from me and now things will never be the same. I'll never be the same. I've gone too far, seen too much. There's no turning back now. I feel betrayed by my own body. I don't want this. I'm not ready for this. How come I don't get a say?
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, this from the girl in a previous scene is sort of like, I want to be the femme fatale. Mm -hmm. Walking through, (laughs) you know, the finished basement and having all the boys turn their heads. That's the rub. That's the sort of, you know... Like if I could put a soundtrack to Jenny's work, it would be like Britney Spears, not a girl, not yet a woman, <laughs> you know, She's like right in sitting squarely in that, in that, in that place of like a lot of tension and a lot of uncertainty. And there's just so much drama to mine there. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, this is a pleasure. Thank you, Kelly. It was. Yeah. And, um, obviously thank you to today's sponsor for making this show possible. You can follow me at Hey Kelly Jensen on Instagram and you can follow Siobhan. Where can people follow you and tell them about your next book too.
1: Oh yeah. You can follow me at, at Siobhan Vivian at on Instagram. And, uh, My new book is coming out in just a few weeks. It's called uh, We Are the Wildcats. It is a return to a sort of multi-POV story that um, I tackled in an earlier book of mine called The List. And it's about a group of girls and the story takes place over 24 hours. And, you know, I think it's pretty much the best thing I've ever done. So I do hope <laughs> you'll pick it up. Um, I really love this book and, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. So it'll be coming out uh, this late this March, March 31st. So keep your eyes peeled. Yeah, I can't wait to pick it up. Well, thank you, everybody, for
0: tuning in this week. And we'll be back next week for the main podcast. Until then, happy reading.